Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Very good. Well, you're all looking very nice, and uh, it's great to have you here with us this morning. Welcome to Portico. Really, you're welcome. And we also want to welcome our venues, the chapel venue that has joined us at this time. And uh, we have also the Portico Espanol venue that's happening over in the gym this morning. So lots of stuff going on. And uh, Portico Milton will be meeting in just a little while. So uh, we want to just jump right in. Today, um, we are starting a brand new theme. And uh, I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles out. If you have a Bible, we're going to take a look at a familiar story this morning. And if you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand up nice and high. We'll loan you one today. Our ushers are ready to come. Anybody need a Bible this morning? Just slip your hand up. And uh, ushers, thank you for helping us in that way. Also encourage you to take out your sermon notes at this time. You, If you use the paper version, that's in your bulletin. And uh, if you're on one of the the uh, newer fangled devices like a smartphone or an iPad or a tablet, one of those things, then uh, you can go to the Uversion app and just search for, uh, for today's message. We're beginning our Christmas series this morning. I know, I can hardly believe it either, but uh, it was confirmed for me earlier when we sang a couple of Christmas songs. It is, it is that time of year again. And I don't know about you, but I am still in almost absolute shock that this is here already. Is anybody with me on that one? Yeah, like maybe it has something to do with the year that I've had personally. I, I don't know. But uh, this has been a little bit of a crazy year. I mean, my, my oldest son uh, graduated university back in the spring. And uh, then he and his fiance were married in August. My, uh, my daughter graduated high school, and then she took off and left us and went to university in September. And uh, she's down in Halifax, Nova Scotia, in, in her first year at university. And we went kind of overnight from having five people, a cat and a dog, in our house. And then it was almost like instantly it was just my wife and I and our, our little dog. And so it's been a bit of a whirlwind year for us. And so to, to think that Christmas is here already, that, that Alana's first semester is almost done, uh, I just am a little bit overwhelmed. And so we are going to, to sort of deal with it. It's just kind of snuck up on me again. But uh, And then there's the Christmas shopping, right? Are any of you done your Christmas shopping? Oh, about two people. Don't, don't wait till the last minute. It's okay. You got lots of time. But, uh, you know, there's the Christmas shopping and that whole thing. And CBC, they put out a report last year saying that Christmas spending was expected to go up 7%. And it did. And even though gift giving was down a little, the cost of holiday entertaining last year was expected to go up by an average of over $100 per person, with the average person spending $300 on parties and celebrations. Ontarians were expected to spend between 3 and 4% of their income, their annual income on this one day. That's a lot of money. Only 29% of the people surveyed were expected to receive any kind of Christmas bonus. And so this was largely coming out of one of two places, this extra money. Either you know, savings from the previous 11 months, and I know you're all very diligent to do that, Or it was coming from that magic little piece of plastic that you carry in your wallet named Visa or Amex or MasterCard. You know, free money. Yeah, right, somebody said. 
Well, at least until you get the bill in January, and then those interest payments start piling up. And it's not like we don't already have lots of places to put our money, right? I mean, there is responding almost weekly to some kind of, some kind of crisis like we did a couple weeks ago in the Philippines or, or there is the ongoing needs of our church and the global workers that we support through Give Hope every day and, and all of those kind of things or the Christmas projects that we're doing. But then there's, you know, our ESPs or in my case, it's a little too late for that. It's just called tuition now or our RSPs or, you know, there's, there's all of these kinds of things, mortgages, rent, paying back student loans, a new roof, a new muffler, new brakes. And then there's, you know, Black Friday sales. There's all of the stuff that we have to spend our money on. Truthfully, the extravagance of Christmas is probably one of the parts of the season that many of us enjoy. The extravagance of the lights, the parties, all of the parades, the celebrations and so on. We like the big show. More than a half a million light bulbs are used in Disney's Christmas parade. Did you know that? More than a half a million. Last night, downtown, there was a huge celebration, the cavalcade of lights where the the tree was lit. It was reportedly spectacular, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't cheap. We make more food at Christmas time than we can eat. We give gifts that we often don't need. We spend money we don't have. So this is what Christmas looks like in North America. Spend more than we have, give gifts that people don't actually need or even sometimes want, you know, light up the world and then wait for the bills to pour in. Well, what if this year we did something different? Something a little bit crazy. Something radical. Why don't you watch the screens for just a moment?
So this is the radical idea we want to present to you this morning, and uh, we're going to go back to the Christmas story for just a moment, and let's look at this together. Luke chapter 2, if you have your Bibles open, and uh, let me read it for you today. It says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. The first Christmas was surprisingly simple. Taxes were due. A journey ensued. A young newlywed couple couldn't find a suitable place to stay, and so they ended up sharing the stable behind the hotel. If it weren't for the angelic announcement to the shepherds, the whole thing may have passed unnoticed. Of course, we know there was a lot more to it than that. But think about it. Think about those beginnings, those simple beginnings, and now what it's become. The celebration of Christ's birth has escalated into this commercial gift-giving extravaganza that sadly is often overshadowed by Santa and reindeer and way too often contains no mention of the name of Jesus. There is an undercurrent of consumerism that has taken over what Christmas is all about. It's the idea that we have in our North American culture that says, you know, if a little is good then more is better and a lot is the best, right? Isn't that how we think? Go to Google, go to YouTube and and search Christmas lights to see some of the lengths that people will go to in decorating their houses. Some of them are very beautiful, of course, no issue there, but the extravagance can approach ridiculous. I get sweaty palms and, and a little bit of a nervous twitch just thinking about the hydro bill. Think about the way that we give our gifts, the lengths that we sometimes go to in order to outdo the other person. You know, gift giving shouldn't be a competition, but sometimes we we make it that. Or someone brings us a gift and, you know, we didn't actually buy them one and suddenly we're thinking, oh, great. You know, now I have to go and buy another gift. Now I look like an idiot, right? I know that's how you think. Worse, I'm going to have to go shopping again. 
Of course, the issue here for me is not the giving. Please understand. It's the spending. I'm all about the giving. And so is God, by the way. But, but the excessive and extravagant spending that we do, especially at Christmas time, is what I have issue with. And I'm not, I'm not just pointing fingers. I'm looking this way too. So what if? What if we did something a little crazy this year? What if we spend less but give more? What if we spend less and give more? I know it's radical. It's not normal. It's not what we do in our culture. We've already determined that. But I'm just asking the question, what if we were to spend less and give more? Now, not only is this not the norm in our culture, it's also not the story of of history. This idea that a little is good and and more is better and a lot is the best, it's not a new idea. Our, Our tendency for greed and to consume has been one that's been handed down to each new generation for thousands of years. History tells a story of conquest. I did just a little research about the, about the various conquests that have happened throughout history from ancient Egypt all the way until now. Groups of people have tried to get more. More land, more control, more power, more wealth. Think about the empires before Jesus came, including the, you know, the Assyrian and the Babylonian and the Persian empires, the great Macedonian empire the great Greek empire of Alexander the Great, each of them focused on this idea of conquest, of more. And now since Jesus, we've had the the Byzantine Empire, the Mongolian, the Ottoman Empires, just to name a few. And one of the outstanding things about about them is, is not just the conquests, but the incredible wealth and extravagance that was a characteristic of them all. I've had the opportunity to travel and see some of the ruins and some of the archaeological finds, some of the art and architecture from a few of these periods. And it all points to incredible extravagance and wealth for a few. And the Roman Empire that was in control at the time of the birth of Jesus was no different. It was characteristic, we're told, of amassing disproportionate wealth and military power, according to one author. The emperors were worshipped as gods, and it was Augustus who was in the seat when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and Herod was the Roman-placed puppet king of Judea. But the nation of Israel, who were under the rule of Herod and the Romans, were looking for something else. They were looking for a Messiah. One that was promised hundreds of years before through prophecy. One who would bring the Jewish nation from darkness into light. Who would be the Savior of the world. And of course, true to form, you know, and and what they knew and had experienced from history, they were expecting a conquering king. They expected pomp and circumstance, wealth and extravagance, a mighty warrior who would overthrow the Romans and free them from oppression because that's the story that human history had told them up to that point. It's all about power and money and wealth and prestige. But when Jesus finally came, things looked a lot different. He didn't come like anyone expected. He came really rather quietly at first, humble beginnings from a newlywed couple who were still teenagers, who weren't wealthy. Actually, the purpose of their trip was to pay taxes to the government. And Jesus wasn't born at a nice hospital or or even with a midwife at home, but instead about 80 miles away from home in another town altogether. Oh, and, and not in a hotel or a bed and breakfast, but but in a stable. 
He was born in a stable with the animals all around and with a feeding trough, a manger as his crib. Pretty simple Christmas. It was not what anyone expected. It was not the norm. It didn't conform to the way things were done. Jesus was a nonconformist, even as a baby. I love that. And that is really what we are talking about today. We're talking about breaking the mold, about being different, about understanding Christmas in a whole new way. Spend less, give more. It's radical. It's nonconformist. We have so much pressure to do Christmas the way we've always done it, the way everyone else does it. And if we really stop and take a look at the excess that we tend to engage in at Christmas, I think we can see from where we have taken our cue. But who do we want to be like, really? Do we want to be like everybody else? Or do we want to be more like Jesus? Do we want to conform? Or do we want to be transformed this Christmas? Well, I don't know about you, but... As I've been thinking about that question, I don't want to live a life that is more influenced by the life and culture of Canadians than it is by the life and culture of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul reminds us in Romans 12 and verse 2, it's on the screen for you this morning, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, there's more to life than having, getting, acquiring, spending more. Extravagance can be easily misdirected. Extravagance can be easily misdirected. That word extravagance, it really has two sides to it. It it means something negative, like we've been talking about. It means things like excess, wastefulness, squandering, unnecessary spending, just, just, you know, going over the top. But it can also be positive when you think about extravagant love, about lavishing someone with attention or lavishing them with affection. This kind of of extravagance is good. It's positive. But too often, our extravagance is misdirected. Our, Our approach to extravagance is only monetary. And at this season of the year especially, but at other times as well, we simply increase our goods. We add to our treasure and we add to the treasure of others. Jesus' approach to treasure was much different. He said in Matthew chapter 6, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, now please don't hear what I'm not saying this morning. I'm not saying for you not to buy anything for your kids this Christmas, okay? That's not what I'm saying. Or for your family, or for your in-laws, you should do that too. I'm not saying that at all. We were created to give, even created for generosity, created for extravagance. And at Christmas time, more than any other, I believe that we should exercise that, that gift of generosity. But I also believe that we should do it God's way. If we look at the Christmas story, we look at the birth of of Jesus, it was a very simple one. And instead of a king's procession, instead of luxury and wealth and pomp and circumstance, God chose to have His Son enter the world via this ordinary couple, a carpenter and his wife in a little town called Bethlehem. Natural childbirth in a smelly stable. Not just simple, but unusually simple. 
the only big announcement, and it was a spectacular one, was given to a few shepherds out on a lonely hillside who were watching their sheep. I mean, why not the whole town? Or why weren't there multiple choirs of angels simultaneously making the announcement all around the country? I mean, surely the shepherds didn't deserve to hear the news any more than anyone else in Israel at the time. To think of of that, to think that kind of thing would be absolutely ridiculous, that they were somehow more deserving. So why did God choose to do it this way? He could have made it the announcement of the century. He could have, he could have done it up big and gone to great expense, but he didn't because he wanted to show us that it's possible to spend less and, and give more. There's a paradox here. There's an irony. It doesn't seem to make sense that the God of the universe would allow his only son, the savior of the world, to slip into existence relatively unnoticed. And yet that is exactly what he did. God's gift to us It had the look of simplicity. But the true and underlying value of his gift was much more than anything we could ever receive. So what if we made it our goal this Christmas to spend less but give more? It's not that extravagance is altogether wrong. It's just that it can be easily misdirected. Think about even how we decide to, you know, package or, or wrap the gifts that we are placing under the tree. Some of you spend more time wrapping than you do shopping. Right? Do we have any of those people in the room? You don't have to raise your hand. It's okay. But you know, you want every piece of ribbon placed perfectly in order to properly display the value of the gift. And actually sometimes it's the way that we camouflage a lousy gift, right? Yeah, socks, underwear. We wrap it all up really nice. We put a bow on it. It's like, ooh, wow, look at that. Personally, like many men I know, I I like the recent popularization of the gift bag. Now the biggest decision is finding the right color of, you know, tissue paper to to go inside the bag. You just crumple it up, a few little ruffles here and there. You make sure a little bit sticks out the top a little, and bam, you've got yourself one beautifully wrapped gift. Right, men? Let's hear it for the gift bag. It's like we feel that looks are almost important as what's inside. It's, it's, if it's not all, you know, showy and bold and beautiful, then the value seems to decrease. But, but that's thinking in, in human terms, isn't it? Jesus came. He came born in a barn, wrapped in just some excess cloth that was lying around. The witnesses to his birth were his parents. A donkey, we know that for sure because they wrote it there. And likely a random collection of other smelly animals. His first visitors were common shepherds, the keepers of sheep, just, just the keepers of farm animals. His packaging was more like crumpled brown paper. But that's the beauty of the gift. You see, God intentionally chose the lowest place he could find, the most humble beginnings, for the most amazing of gifts. And so extravagance shouldn't be limited to outward appearances or simple monetary value or how expensive something is. Extravagance should be more about true value. So what is truly of value in our world today? It's certainly nothing physical or or tangible that we hold in our hands. Almost everything that we buy today has has a shelf life and will be used or consumed until it is worthless and then we will throw it away. Take your iPhone out and look at it. 
Go ahead, do it right now. Because it's obsolete already. Right? There's a new one coming. And when the new one comes, you know, you'll, you'll have to go and get that one. This is the way we do society. It's, it's kind of a, a throwaway kind of deal. It's consumable. And so extravagance isn't about those things. So, so how can we be extravagant? How can we spend less and give more? Well, how did God do it? How did God do it? So just to kind of wrap this all up this morning, I want you to look at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1, the first part of that verse. It says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. That's extravagance God's way. He has lavished His love on us. He has, he has given us uh, this, this amazing and incredible gift of Jesus Christ, a Savior. Very, very simply, He's done it. It's, it's been just very plain. A simple Christmas. And yet, this is how God does it. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. Please don't think for one moment that the gift of God to us was not very, very costly. It was. God's gift was extremely extravagant. But it wasn't about money. God didn't spend currency. God gave much differently than we do. And the secret to spending less and giving more this Christmas, the secret to being extravagant the right way, is to give the way that God gave. Now, if you're in your sermon notes and and you're near the, the back there, the last few blanks, I want you to turn there right now. Because first of all, God gave sacrificially. God gave sacrificially. He sent His Son to be born in a manger, to live as a, as a human being. He left the glory of heaven and set aside some of His deity so that He could understand how we live and, and how we feel and what we experience. It was a huge sacrifice for Jesus to come and just become a man. Forget about, you know, the cross. That was just one more step in God's amazing plan. But in John chapter 1, it tells us that the Word became flesh and He dwelt among us. He made His home among us. He tabernacled here. And Jesus was God in the flesh. He allowed Himself to be crucified on a cross so that we could have salvation from our sins, so that we could enjoy eternal life with God in heaven and have the relationship that was broken between us and God restored. His sacrifice was a tremendous one. It was costly. It was an extravagant gift of love. See, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. And I believe we need to give the same way at Christmas, sacrificially. We need to feel the pinch of sacrificing something for someone else to to give them something they need. It helps us to get our focus off of ourselves and off of things and onto the, the need of another person. Spend less. Give more. So in the space that you have in your notes under that line, God gave sacrificially. I want you to take a moment and I want you to just think about right now how you can make a sacrifice for someone else this Christmas. How can you spend less money in order to give to someone in need? What can you not do or not spend or give up so that you are able to make a sacrifice? So that you can be extravagant God's way.
And I'm not just talking about people you know or are in relationship with you. I'm not talking about people who are expecting a gift from you. I'm talking about more than that. Maybe you'll be able to sacrificially give to the to the big give and help us bless seniors in our community through the Christmas past seniors luncheon that we're hosting this coming Friday at South Millway Seniors Residence. Or maybe you'll be able to sacrificially give just $25 to help a young child in sub-Saharan Africa have a new school uniform and a chance to, to have an education and hear about Jesus Christ at a special Christmas celebration in their village. Or perhaps you can sacrificially come up with $75 and help to bless an entire family at one of our local housing communities with a Christmas gift bag that will allow them to have the groceries that they need for this Christmas season and to have gifts for their children. Or maybe the sacrifice you are able to make is just to buy a $2 pair of socks at the info center and and then fill it with dollar store items for a homeless person. Whatever it is, I want you to take a moment right now. Think about how you can give sacrificially this Christmas. And remember, it's not about the dollar figure. It's about the sacrifice whatever that means for you. All right? So just take a minute right now. Go ahead. You can type it in your iPhone if you need to, if you're not using the paper. But just write something down. I want you to take a minute and do that right now. God gave sacrificially. He also gave to the undeserving. He gave to the undeserving. Just because the nation of Israel was looking for and expecting a Messiah doesn't mean that they deserved one. As a matter of fact, look at their history. They were a nation who constantly fell back into their sinful ways of idol worship and disobedience. But God still sent the Messiah to them, deserving or not. And in the very same way, we too can receive His grace, although we are all so undeserving. Paul tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Think about that. There was no reason for God to die for us. Maybe for good and righteous people He would die, but but not for us. And yet Romans 5 and 6 says, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, still in our sin, Christ died for the ungodly. And there is no reason, there was no reason that he should. But if he didn't, we were destined for for death, the Bible tells us. His grace for us who were undeserving allowed us an opportunity for eternal life through Jesus Christ. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so when we give this Christmas, I want us to think about giving like God gave, giving to the undeserving. There are a lot of people in need at this time of year. Maybe they don't necessarily deserve our help. What does that mean anyway? How, how you know, do they deserve? But, but we need to help them regardless so that we can understand how God gave to the undeserving. We need to exercise the same kind of grace with people that we don't know, with people who are possibly undeserving but still in great need. And then we can understand what we heard last week, that God is hidden in the marginalized. And when we do something for the least of these, we actually do something for Jesus Christ Himself. So just take one, one more moment 
And write down in your notes how you're going to do something for someone undeserving this Christmas. How will you exercise grace in light of God's grace towards you? It might be one of the things that we've already talked about. Or it might be something totally different. But just take a moment and, uh, and write it down or, or type it in right now. How can, how can I give to the undeserving this Christmas? God gave sacrificially. He gave to the undeserving. And then lastly, God gave of Himself. God gave of Himself. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. He gave His only Son, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are one. And so, so God gave of Himself, it was extremely personal. It was extremely personal. And so in that last space on your notes, I want you to write down how you are going to give of yourself this Christmas. Not just money, but you, your energy, your time, your talent, your abilities. Maybe you've already committed to singing in the One Hope concert. Write that down. Maybe you've already signed up to pack gift bags or cook or decorate for the big gift. Write that down. Maybe you're going to Cornerstone to help with the Christmas meal. You can write that down. But many of you, you haven't thought yet about how you will personally engage outside your usual circle this Christmas. Take a minute and think about how you can give of yourself this Christmas. Because God gave of Himself. How can you give of yourself? Just take a moment and and write down something. Now I want you to take a minute and look at what you've written down in those three spaces. Maybe you just thought about it. Maybe they're just thoughts in your mind. But, but whatever it is, that's how you can spend less but give more this Christmas. That's how you can sort of stop the, the train of, of extravagance and consumerism at Christmas time and begin to give the way that God gave. I... I love giving gifts to my kids. I love Christmas. It's one of the most fun times of the year. But this year I want us all, myself included, just to to reflect a little bit about all of what we do around that and think creatively about how we can spend less but give more this Christmas. Will you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you today for this amazing season of the year. And God, for the incredible gift that we have received through Your Son, Jesus Christ, who was born in that stable so long ago on that very first Christmas morning. And God, I pray that as we have given some time to think and to reflect about, God, how we can how we can spend less but give more this Christmas. That God, you will help us to take those things that we have, that we have thought about, that we have written down, Lord, and, and Lord, 
actually turn those into action this year and to do something radical, something a little bit crazy. And God, spend less and give more this Christmas. Father, we are so grateful for all that you have done for us. And we want to just, we want to just be able to release that and to be able to give that, God, and, and to bless others at this season of the year. So Lord, would you help us do that, I pray, in Jesus' name. And, and just with every head bowed and every eye closed, and no one looking around, I want to take just one more moment this morning. We have lots of time today. And I want to ask you this question. You may be here in this room today and you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. You may be in the chapel. You've never said yes to Jesus. And today I came to let you know that God, all of those thousands of years ago, God thought of you and he sent his gift, his gift of Jesus Christ to be born in a manger, to live on this earth and to one day die. And to give his life as a sacrifice for many. All so that you and I could have, could have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Could have forgiveness of our sins and the wrong things that we have done. That's the story. It's the message of Christmas. That God gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so if you're here this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never opened up your your mind and your heart and, and invited Christ into your life and begun to follow Him, then I think today could be your day. And I think, I think that that would be one of the most amazing gifts that you could receive this Christmas. As you give the gift of your life to Jesus Christ, He gives back to you salvation. He gives back to you forgiveness. He gives back to you freedom. And so if you're here today and you need Jesus, I just want you to slip your hand up just nice and high. You say, Pastor Jeff, that's me. I need to say yes to Jesus this morning. Is there anybody, just looking all across the room, is there anybody today? And you need to make that decision this morning. Yes, thank you. Is there anyone else today? Just as we take a moment. Yes, thank you. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? Thank you in the back. Thank you. Thank you. Praise your name. One last chance, and then I'm going to close in prayer. Anyone else this morning? Jesus, thank you for these who have raised their hand this morning. God, I pray that, Lord, you will enable them, allow them, God, give them the courage to just say a simple little prayer. God, even just quietly where they sit, Inside of their, inside of their thoughts, Lord, just to pray, God, thank you for sending Jesus Christ that first Christmas. Thank you that he came to give his life for me. And I, I invite you, Jesus, into my heart, into my life today. Forgive me of, of all the wrong things that I've done. And Lord, help me now to live my life as a follower of you. Help me to, to learn about you and to, to begin to understand who you are and to know you better. God, I pray that as they just pray that simple prayer this morning, Spirit of God, that you will just flood their heart, that they will experience Christ's love, and that on this, at this Christmas season, God, they would receive the most amazing gift that's ever been given, the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, the gift of salvation. And so, Lord, we pray these things, we ask them in Jesus' name, and we thank you. Amen. Amen.